Greetings once again from sunny Roswell, New Mexico, where all your bases are belong to us. Hey, I'm Guy Malone, your host of Live from Roswell, welcoming you from wherever in the globe you're listening from tonight. Uh, and speaking of tonight, we have as our guest Katerina Wilson, whose bio includes being a MUFON benefactor and the author of several books and articles on the alien abduction experience, much of that coming from her own first-person experience point of view, by the way. I'm actually very excited to have Katerina on tonight, largely because for over 10 years now, I think, she has run the site, AlienJigsaw.com, which details many of her personal experiences and has her books online for free reading. You can also buy them on Amazon, and I'll ask her later if you can get them directly from her or not. But so many people in ufology know of her, but she doesn't speak publicly. At least she hasn't in a, uh, about 10 years, I think. I mean to ask her about all that in just a second, if this is her first interview or not, or at least in quite a while. But you can visit www.livefromroswell.com to see the list of other books she's written. And you can do that now, and you can also see a link to her site right there. I'll also remind you that if you would like to interact with us, with myself or with Katerina, and ask questions or respond to what you're hearing on today's program, you can email me at talktome, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at livefromroswell.com. And I do refresh my email constantly during the program. And just please state your first name and the city you're calling from, or the city you're in. We also have a toll-free number that is also on the website, livefromroswell.com. That number is 1-877-786-0562. And if you're using the PalTalk Virtual Auditorium, Feel free to raise your hand between myself and producer Joe Montaldo. One of us will notice it eventually, even though I don't personally uh, am able to keep up with everything going on in our virtual auditorium. Because, you know, I'm like talking to the guest and listening and trying to, you know, hear what she's saying and ask questions for her like that. But um, before we get going with Katerina, I just want to uh, tell you what's going on. Next week we have Richard Dolan, noted ufologist. A uh, good speaker. He's done the sci-fi series. He will be speaking with us tomorrow or next Sunday night at the same time on his view of 911. It's a little different from the usual show that I do on strictly UFOs. This one's definitely political, and I know most people in the UFO realm have they maintain or they believe the inside job, i.e., conspiracy theory of 911. That is also Richard Dolan's view. And he will be expounding upon that and why he believes that. Remember, that is uh, going to be on Sunday, September 9th, two days before the anniversary of 9-1-1. So Richard coming on to speak with us next week. I'm sure it's going to be a little bit controversial. Probably have a lot of friendly and unfriendly comments and emails. And while we're on that topic, somehow or other, uh, a couple weeks ago with our guest Tom Horn, we got to talk, and he was giving some biblical views on prophecy, and but he also uh, teaches and speaks on stargates, the Nephilim, 
the year 2012, things like that. That's the lecture he gave us while he was in Roswell. And a listener asked him, does he believe that there is a Stargate in Iraq? And is that why we really went in? We were so close to the end of the program, he said there is no way he could do that topic justice in the amount of time that we had left. So after two weeks from tonight, we will have the return of Tom Horn answering kind of from a biblical prophecy point of view, but also from a Stargate conspiracy guy point of view, what, why he believes the U.S. went into Iraq. Was it about oil? Was it about weapons of mass destruction? Or was it about a Stargate and a crashed UFO there? If you've been following UFO conspiracies for a while, you've definitely seen that out there in writing and articles from people that do believe that. Sounds crazy, I know, to some of you, but uh, we'll be talking about that in two weeks. So basically it's our 911 special weekend, and I didn't really plan it that way. One more thing I've got to remind you of as well, speaking of Richard Dolan, is that if you go to livefromroswell.com, you will see a link to my MySpace page. I do have two, but the one I'm referring to right now is the shiny-faced one for Alien Stranger. The reason I bring that up, that I want you to go there, is that two days from now is Rich's wife's Karen Dolan's birthday. Those of you that are listening on the Paranormal Radio Network, you know Karen Dolan. She was on earlier today. She's here every Sunday as well. And But MySpace is notified that her birthday is coming up. So if you've never done it, I urge you to friend me and or Karen on our MySpace pages just so, for no other reason, you can go on there in two days and wish her happy birthday. So if you go to my alien stranger, it's myspace.com slash roswellnm. Karen is, of course, in my top friends list, around the fourth or fifth one, I believe. K-A-R-Y-N. Be sure and friend her just so you can wish her happy birthday. And happy birthday early to you, Karen, if you're listening. I don't know if you are or not. I'm not in the auditorium yet. But I just really want to urge people, go in there and wish her a happy birthday in the next day or two. She's a paranormal radio show host as well and a good friend of mine. So we'll give her a little cheer. And we're about to, we'll have, kind of, <laughs> I have problems saying it because she's, her name is spelled with an H. Makes you want to say Katharina. But before we have <laughs> Katharina come on here, the last programming note is that Live from Roswell is sponsored by AlienResistance.org which offers biblical perspectives on UFOs and abductions, as well as DVDs from past conferences relating to the UFO topic. And they were all recorded here in sunny Roswell, New Mexico. So you can check out www.alienresistance.org to find out more information on that. So hi, Katarina. Can you hear me okay? Yes, hello, guy. Nice hello. to hello. Don't worry you about it? my name. You can say it either way. My father pronounces it one way, my mother pronounces it another. What's the origin of that name, then? Um, it's, it's actually German. Um, German-Russian. My, my mother's German, but um, she liked the name Katerina the Great, and that's who I was named after, but it's not, of course, spelled correctly. So um, that's the uh, confusion with the T-H. <laughs> oh, okay. So really, uh, some people would just say Catherine or Katerina. Yeah. Catherine the Great. No, not the great. <laughs> right. Well, you're pretty I'm good, though. I like that name. I don't particularly like that name. <laughs> I'll just stick with good old Katarina. I uh, like Katarina, too. It's actually fun to say. It's just yeah. you got to think a little harder about it. Have people ever told you that? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been, I've, I've, I've been often given various nicknames because of, of the length of it, but, you know, <laughs> I answer to anything that starts with cat. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I've got a song I'll play for you later tonight. It's actually called Go Cat, and it's spelled with a K. Oh, okay. 
you'll we'll be hearing that during the break. I'll tell folks more about it okay. later on. Um, when I introduced or told people who you were at the top of the program, I mentioned that the top thing on your bio that I just pasted from what you sent me, folks. It's not like I make this stuff up, but it, that you are a MUFON benefactor. Tell me about that. Uh, well, it just means you support MUFON, <laughs> and um, there are different levels of of, of support and. Um, Everything from a journal subscriber to, um, you know, becoming a USO investigator um, to, um, there are just different levels. And, oh, I think there's one in between. There's about three or four different levels. I can probably find this information for you. I didn't realize I was going to be, okay, I should probably have done my homework on this better. But, um, it, you know, I'm just a big supporter of MUFON. I've, I've been, um, I think, a member since the late 80s. So it's, oh, wow. Long um, time then, huh? I feel real good about the organization and what they do and just would urge people, if, if they have any interest in that, to to, um, to look into it and support them in any way they can. Well, I see a MUFON member. I see MUFON researcher. I see MUFON speaker. I see journal subscriber all the time. I don't think I've ever been able to introduce anyone that I knew was a MUFON benefactor. And, Maybe I don't need to ask about your personal finances, but is there like a minimum amount you can give before you you are actually labeled as a benefactor for MUFON? Yeah, I think the uh, well, the, the minimum for a benefactor is a thousand dollars. Okay, and, uh, well, I won't ask whether you're the minimum or the or you're a, much higher. Oh no, and there, there's, just, an, there's another level. There's a five hundred dollar level, a two hundred fifty dollar level, and with each one of those levels, you you get um, different publications and. Um, with the benefactor, it's also like a lifelong membership. So, um, oh, neat. I started out as a uh, well, good old scared, frightened abductee, and then and then started um, basically not so much as a field UFO investigator, but working, helping other abductees in the support side of things. I did become a MUFON investigator, on, and I was a state section director in Oregon for a few years, but. Um, kind of pulled back from all that and, and just decided to, to support them in a different way. So. All right, that makes sense. And just, just to for keep things fair, there's also our own producer, Joe Montaldo, runs ICAR as well, and he will take any money that people want to send to him, too. Go to ParanormalRadioNetwork.com, contact Joe, ask him if you can have his permission to send him money. I'm sure he'll say yes. He won't have a problem with that for you. <laughs> okay. But, um... When we were uh, discussing earlier, um, I know this probably isn't the first interview you've done, but you haven't done anything uh, like in over 10 years. Didn't I once write you a long time ago to ask you to speak in Roswell, in fact? I think you did. I, um, I, I, yeah, I did stop speaking about 1996-97, and um, I've turned in a lot of speaking uh, requests and a lot of radio and just kind of... I don't know, for a while there, just felt the need to disappear and, and tried that, and it, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, I know that feeling. <laughs> well, you can't really disappear from, from what I call the guys, you know, the ETs. Uh, sometimes I, my nickname for them is the guys, so um, you really can't ever disappear from them. And I thought that um, when I left Oregon um, and went to North Carolina, I said, you know, I'm going to get the heck out of this and get a real life. and and it's going to get better, and things are going to change. And I found out the less I did, the less involved, and the less active I was, the harder things got, and the more 
interaction I had and um, really didn't wasn't happier and um, that kind of led to I guess this current book that we're going to talk about that I just published uh, is just the last 12 years of uh, you know since I, I published the um, Alien Jigsaw and Researcher Supplement and um, I just uh, realized that hey you know things are not better and that they had been urging me in kind of roundabout ways to uh, get this message out and you know telling me you know you have a mission and, and you have an important uh, job to do and who urged you on that well just different 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 uh, I don't know extraterrestrials or whatever you want to call them um, that was kind of my question. Yeah. Human friends or something else? No, you these have. were direct uh, experiences I had with these beings and um, very explicit direct messages and and just simply, you know, t- telling me that, you know, you have a mission and you need to uh, keep to your own truths and your own experiences about us. And uh, basically, to quote them, uh, to wake a sleeping world to, to their presence. And I'm just one of many what I call abductee emissaries out there trying to do this. And not everybody's an abductee that's doing this, but there are a lot of us working together to try to wake people up because I, 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 think, it's, I think it would be better for people to become aware of this sooner rather than later. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. How long has it been since you did a radio interview then or any well, type of um, appearance? I'd say about 10, 10 11 years. Uh, the last one I've... I've I did was with Art Bell, and um, oh. that, was a, that was a good interview. It was, I was very green and probably still am, but uh, it was it was a real learning experience for me. And you know, he's a dynamic personality, and uh, it was you know very popular radio show. So it's, it's been, been over while. ten years, ten years, and that was Art Bell, and that's awesome. I really appreciate you coming on. Am I am I really that charming to be able to coax you out like this? Or? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you have maybe a great voice. Maybe you're <laughs> you have a great sight. You, you know, you're very persistent. So I, I couldn't say no. How's that? <laughs> Good. Well, I was thinking maybe you just felt that what you've written very recently is so important that you need to come out and promote it a little bit. Because oh. so folks uh, that don't know, um, I just received an email uh, that was broadcast to several people, probably several dozen people, I think, in the field that you had a new book out. And it got in my email, hey, Katarina's got a new book. Hey, I should ask her to be on the show then. So, Well, thank you You're, for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on finally. It's an honor to get your first interview in over 10 years, for that matter. I guess we should get to that interview thing, you know, and <laughs> kind of can some of the chit-chat. <laughs> the book, now, your original book was Alien Jigsaw, correct? Yes, mm-hmm. that was nice. Can you summarize that a little bit so people have an idea um who you are and let us know why you felt compelled to write it. Well, yeah, I, um, I, wow, well, I started keeping a dream journal when I was, uh, in my teenage years. My grandmother was really into dreams and, um, I'd had some very vivid dream memories of, from my childhood and just some, some strange things and a couple of really unusual things in my teenage years and I, I started keeping what I called a dream journal and, uh, it kind of, became more of a tool of exploration for me, and I just started having more conscious memories of very unusual uh, experiences and, and 
overly vivid dreams and um, eventually, you know, got got to the point where I kind of had this, uh, this epiphany and realized, you know, in 1987 that, oh my God, this, these aren't just dreams. And one thing led to another, you know, I got in, investigated by MUFON investigator and was put in touch with, uh, uh, well, I met Bud and was put in touch with MUFON and then... Uh, Bud Hopkins? Yeah, Bud Hopkins. And um, ended up working with a... Uh, forensic clinical psychologist and um, just had to kind of face the reality of, of what had really been happening to me my whole life and this was when I was about 27, 28 years old and I continued the journals so the, all these journals um, basically uh, led to the, the publication of the Alien Jigsaw which was uh, covering the first uh, 32, 33 years of my life as it relates to the phenomenon and that's pretty much how that, that book got written. <laughs> it's a compilation of, of my journals and just my life story um, throughout my life uh, up until that time. And I followed that up with the Alien Jigsaw Researcher Supplement, which had a lot more analytical data and a, a paper that I published for the journal. And just uh, the, the hypnosis sessions that I did with the, the psychologist. Um, so it, it's... I had another, I think I did another year of, of journals in that book, and then um, uh, shortly after that we started the website. So. Okay, so you did have the book. Well, yeah, that's right about the birthing of the, the, the Internet age really picking up steam. Yeah. It was 95, 96, and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, well, pretty we soon. Yeah, we launched the site in 95, and it's been up ever since. <laughs> well, I mean, there's probably half this audience was not even on the Internet mm -hmm. in 95. So you were actually pioneering alien abduction research and sharing your experiences online before most people were even online. It uh, sounds like. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a pretty big deal. It was fun. It was exciting, and it, it still is. It's just grown so much. It's phenomenal. Does that still get? Um, uh, does that still get a, a lot of traffic? Um, yeah, we. I don't know. Compared to other sites. Um, I closed out August with over 147,000 hits. And oh, that's that's huge, then. I, I knew you were a big star. Yeah, and the first I'm, I got to say this because I'm kind of I'm happily surprised that the um, the downloads of the new book um, are almost 1,700 in the first six weeks. So you can't do that with a self-published book and you know a hardback book and going around and promoting it at conferences and stuff. It's, it's just kind of, it's really neat to be able to have the Internet, you know, as a tool of communication and education. Now you, uh, before the Internet even, your first book was self-published, wasn't it? Right, uh-huh. Yeah, um, all three of my publications are self-published. Uh, the third one is uh, Project Open Mind, um, and it's in a monograph form, but it's available on the site. And the first two books... Um, I still have copies of them. They're going to be available uh, through, you know, if anybody wants a copy, you know, buy a copy. Of them. I'm going to have them available on the on my website. But the latest book is available free. Okay, and you've already had 1,700 downloads of it just yeah, since announcing six weeks. it. Yeah, six weeks. So I, I think that's that's exciting. Somebody's that's very. <laughs> well, even for a self-published book, and before it was on the internet, your first book did pretty good, didn't it? Yeah. We went to a second uh, um, printing of it. I had a hard hard copy edition first, and then 
um, we put out a trade paper, which I still have some copies of that, and then the researcher supplements a trade paper. It, it oh, well, I definitely got to get an autographed copy sent to me. Okay, I will. I'll, like, I'll buy one. <laughs> I'll buy one. You don't have to give no, me one for no, free no, or I'll anything. They're so much better when they're autographed, though, and personalized and all that. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try to autograph these. Then um, I'm, you know, we're we're trying to get the site updated again, and we're going to have the PayPal and and the, and the other two books up there, and hopefully tonight or tomorrow that'll happen. Okay, that's what I was asking, actually, or mentioning earlier. I know you can read your books for free on the Internet. No, actually, And you can not. download it on PDF. Yeah, the, two, the first two books are not um, available free on the Internet. The Project Open Mind is. That's the 10-part monograph. It's, um, the subtitle is our Some Alien Abductions Actual, Actually Government Mind Control Experiments, where I got into this. In 1996, I kind of went off in a different research direction, and... Um, looked at Martin Cannon's The Controllers and started reading a bunch of books relating to that uh, aspect of, uh, possible aspect of the phenomenon, and that's where po Project Open Mind came from, but that is available on the site for free, you know. And, the, and like I said, the current book, you can read it on the site or you can download it for free. Or you can have okay. it downloaded and taken to Staples and printed for $15. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is actually expensive. Whenever you take a file in and print yeah. something, yeah. you wind up spending more usually than if you had just gone ahead and bought the book from the person. But I checked into Amazon, and I think it had it listed as out of print or there was only used. So right now, to get a copy of the original book, now Alien Jigsaw—that's just your—that's more your journal style retelling, recounting of your experiences. Am yeah. I correct? Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. Yeah. And that's still available from you personally, so you say you're going to be adding um, PayPal or how to do it later on today or tonight? Yeah, hopefully at least by tomorrow. And, uh, okay. We were working on that today, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, folks, she will. Uh, her site will be linked from livefromroswell.com uh, probably for the remainder of the week until next Sunday starts up when we have Richard Dolan back on. So if you uh, can't do it tonight, if you don't get the PayPal up tonight, if you want to check into it, you can always come back to either one of our sites, Alien Jigsaw or hers. And I also want to remind you, folks, that you can email me. Uh, we'll be going to commercial here in a second, but and then we'll get into some real question and answer portion of the of the interview. But you can email me at talk to me at livefromroswell.com, or you can call our toll-free number one eight seven 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 eight six zero five six two. Both that email and phone number on the very top of livefromroswell.com. And you will see a link to Katerina's site, her book cover, and all that other stuff that you need. But go ahead and do interact with us. Um, we'll be back here in about uh, five or six minutes and really get into the meat of our interview and questions for Katerina. But before the promos start to play, I am going to leave you with just a little bit of music, like I tend to do on commercials, from my MySpace featured artist of the week, Flying Saucers. No joke. That is indeed the name of the band. You can go to www.livefromroswell.com, and on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see a link into their MySpace page as well, where you can get some more of their music and listen to it for free as well. And if you are a, a band and you've got a MySpace page, holler at me sometime. I might feature you as well. And uh, if I got the song order to Joe in time, this first song, you either want to turn up or turn down your volume. The first song you're going to hear by Flying Saucers is called Psycho Chick. So we will be back 
on Live from Roswell with Katerina Wilson after this break. Five or six minutes. Take us out, Joe. That worked perfectly. Oh, great. Am I doing okay? Oh, totally. Okay. Totally. You get to do more of the talking the rest of the show now. Uh-oh. I, I do all I can to set you up and let people know who you are and why you'd be interesting to listen to. Mm. And then oh. especially thank you for giving me the uh, list of questions. Oh. Um, well, I don't, you know, you can ask whatever. I just, um, those are some that kind of come up, you know, in emails and stuff. And I thought they might. I don't know, help out a little bit. <laughs> oh, it totally does. It makes my job easier. Um, and because then, and, and I know that you have a good answer. I don't wind up asking you a question that you can't answer, or that your answer would be dumb, because you wouldn't have given me the question if that were the case. <laughs> okay. So uh, I, it, I think it helps you out a lot. <laughs> we really do have like four or five minutes. I'm just okay. going to go back to speakerphone and do right. the potty break thing, okay. run around the house. I'll be back. Okay, thanks. We'll be, thanks. Don't go away. We'll be right back, as okay. I say. All right, bye. Bye. Or, Talk to you soon. Jigsaw.com website and the book of the same name, Alien Jigsaw. She is also the author of a brand new book, which you can actually get on her website and download for free. The name of the book, from an abductee point of view, is I Forgot What I Wasn't Supposed to Remember. <laughs> and Katerina, you still with us, I'm oh, hoping? Yes. Hello. Hello again. And I did get some feedback that your voice is still coming through kind of low, by the way. So okay. I'll encourage you to yell, okay. yell into the radio. <laughs> All right. I'll have to enunciate clearly. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh, the, the new book. Oh, yeah, I think it is, actually. Uh, they'll just turn up their radios. This is over the Internet, so it's really pretty cool in that aspect. That they can at least turn it up really loud, and then if people are doing that, I'll try to talk a little lower. I don't want to overpower your speakers. I have a tendency of doing that. I'm told, I'm told I talk very loud in person sometimes, but... Back to you. Uh, that uh, Your book is I Forgot What I Wasn't Supposed to Remember, and I know you've kind of been out of this for 10 years, at least publicly. What led you to write the new book? Oh, a couple of things. Um, uh, the last 12 years of my life, <laughs> uh, that this, this phenomenon just never stops uh, once you're, you know, for those of us who are directly involved with it. And um, I had... Uh, I had a really intense encounter in July of 2006 with one of the beings that's actually the, on the cover of the new book, uh, what I call or term a red-headed gray. Um, it was just a very incredibly intense experience. And she and a male being that looked just like her, only his hair was a little shorter, had a group of abductees and what appeared clearly to be an underground base. Um, there was a portion of the base that was above ground, and it was 
or what I believe, next to a large body of water. And we were, when we were underground in this place, it was just enormous. And there was, there was a group of us, and I knew we were all abductees. And, you know, we all knew what we were and who we were with. And we all got a group vision um, slash mes message from these two beings. And it, it's very, it's very, very detailed and lengthy, but they were using visual imagery and telepathy to to warn us about a, a very just a dire circumstance that we were in that something really really incredibly intense was going to happen and one of the one of the things that was telepathically you know I, I use the word downloaded into our minds that you know as a group we were told through telepathy that, um, and I quote, they are coming, and if they find out who and what you really are, you will be slaughtered. Everything that makes you who you are has to change. And you were told it, that by the redheaded, by the redheaded grace. Um, they they wanted us abductees save humanity, and it was just a warning. And there's there's more to it, but there it was just a, a, a dire warning that. Something or someone is coming. Uh, a major transition is is approaching. And they don't mean Jesus either, do they? Um, <clears throat> I didn't get the sense that it was Jesus. No, it was it was more, you know, to use the word slaughter. No, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Think so. I, I don't see Jesus in that in any way. <laughs> but um, it was, and the, the thing that really that really got me was at the end of all this um, she walked away they walked away as a pair um, because they, they were a pair they were they were like you know the president of the United States but not you know they were a couple but they weren't they were equal they, mm -hmm. were, they seemed very important but they weren't uh, they didn't dress any particular way they were, they were just um, they were like uh, ambassadors or something and they they were when they walked away, um, she turned and and looked at me, and that's the look you see on on the cover of the book. And her eyes were just I mean, it was like she was literally crying for humanity and begging us abductees to save humanity. And that was July two thousand and six, and I just could not get that out of my mind. <laughs> and my husband, you know, realized, you know, he says, you know, you were a lot happy when you were writing and. And you really need to get back into this because, uh, you know, that's when you were really happy. That's what, you know, that's what you like to do and what, you know. And I started going through my journals and I couldn't believe what I was finding. You know, it was like I could not believe what had happened to me over the last 12 years. And had I not written it down, it would have just been lost. And then, you know, between what the redheaded grays told me and what my husband was encouraging me, you know, to do, I, I started to write and uh, put these last 12 years together and that's what this book is so it's it's just pretty intense uh, you know it's, it's got some it's got some good guys and some bad guys in it <laughs> you know and yeah well um, i've not known of an abductee book or experience that couldn't be described as intense yeah you mentioned um that the being was somehow imploring with you as an abductee asking you abductees or we abductees 
um, to help save the planet somehow. How, by what means, did they want you to do that? Well, they didn't really say um, what... One thing I've noticed when I, I noticed when I went back and read through my journals is about every two years I get a vision of, of war, a message, a vision. You know, a, a lot of times the visual imagery is used in the telepathic message that so you see and you, you get, you get, I mean, it's just instantly, it's like a download, and but it's just so clear. And I just want to let your listeners know that the last hypnosis and the only hypnosis I, I went through was back in 1988. So I haven't had any hypnosis. And, and everything in this book is from conscious memory. And 90% of what's in Jigsaw is from conscious memory. Um, and to me that's important. I don't, I don't, you know, it is important to some people. Some people put more value on hypnotically retrieved memories. Some people don't, but I just want to make that clear with your audience. But um, they didn't Everything say, you've written about is pretty much conscious recall. It's everything. not yeah. possibly tainted by hypnosis or the hypnotist. I know that's a frequent charge. Yeah, right. And so this book is all, all conscious memories, and, and most of the other two are as well. And I did publish the hypnosis sessions and the researcher supplement so the reader can see exactly what was said during those sessions. So that the transcripts are there, but um, no, they didn't say how how to um, how to save. <laughs> and I do talk about this in the book. They didn't say how to do this, and I um, I did I did dedicate a chapter to all of these visions that I've had over over the years, and um, they they all seem to kind of focus on a war. And what I've been able to deduce from my own experiences and what I remember is that they just seem very uh, concerned and preoccupied with our wars. Um, I was shown that that what was coming and uh, indeed what we're already involved in is the war over oil. Um, I was I was shown that um, China would become involved in a big way, and that another group of, of beings that I'm unaware of. Um, that may even be interdimensional might possibly take advantage of us while we're sitting here on Earth bickering amongst ourselves over oil um, and profits that, you know, while we're being distracted, something else I think bigger is coming. And I think that, I think the way to um, try to prepare people for that, if they're telling me the truth, is to try to get the message out that and I, and I know a lot of Adventists feel this way, that there is a, a, a transition coming, that there is a shift. Something something is looming <laughs> on humanity's horizon, and we're sitting here just bickering over our you know usual war over oil and religious wars, and it just never ends. So we need to kind of wake up and realize there's, there's, there should be a larger focus in our lives. You know, and there's just a lot more going on around us than, than, we, than most people realize. So... That was kind of part of the wake the sleeping world to the alien presence message that, that I've been getting. Ah, I see what you mean. That it, it comes. To, I know you've written on my labs a little bit. Um, well, first, would you define my lab? And um, we have a very paranormal audience in general, and we're around forty thousand are listening on the, on Sunday evenings. Wow! But I'm sure there's got to be a few people in there that have no idea what the term "my lab" even means. Do you mind giving an overview on what that means to you, sure. real uh, quick, before I ask you something? Yeah, the, I call it I call it MILAB, but it doesn't matter. It's um, acronym. It's an acronym 
Smith stands for military abductions, and it was coined by Helmut Lemur. Uh, he's a PhD geophysicist in Austria who did um, some research in this and wrote a book uh, titled Milab, Military Mind Control and Alien Abduction. And he co-wrote the book with his wife, Marion. Um, it's, wow, um, basically it boils down to some abductees, not all, of course. It's just, um, I think, a, um, a certain select group, and I don't know how they chose us. It might have just been our proximity sometime during our lives. Um, but, you know, I, and I've certainly experienced this where, you know, we're, we're abducted by people, you know, humans. <laughs> And Mili uh, some sort of covert military force. Yeah, they look they look human. They wear military uniforms. Um, sometimes they just wear civilian clothing. Um, inject us with drugs, interrogate us. You know, sometimes friendly, sometimes not friendly. You know, and um, it's. I think, I think they want to know what we know, and that's why you know you can tell the difference because. Aliens don't use drugs, you know, they, they have telepathy and mental power and or prowess and, and humans, you know, well, they're, they're using drugs. And, you know, we wake up with uh, the next day, you know, feeling drugged, uh, having bruises all over us or needle marks, puncture marks, and, and you know, head full of memories. <laughs> oh, you mean the MyLabs inject you with drugs when yeah. you say aliens don't use drugs. I, I just thought you meant they were right. clean cut. And, no, no, no. You know, they don't cut. smoke cigarettes. And, <laughs> they don't you know. use drugs. I mean, they, they <laughs> have just, you know, far superior mental capabilities and um, their telepathic abilities is just incredible. Um, but, yeah. you know, I've actually been shown a film of me being abducted by the military. I was inside a plane with three or four military guys, and I was shown a film of me being inside a plane, and I was drugged. And I looked up at the camera, and I was told, Katerina, close your eyes now. And I, I closed my eyes, and my head fell back against the seat of the plane. So you and could see the plane? I was, it was, you know, it was either, I think it was a helicopter, but, you know, it was just like a, um, about the size of a Huey, the inside of it. That or it was, you know, a, a medium-sized fixed wing, but I, I didn't, you know, I didn't get a, a good look, but I, I could tell it was inside of a, um, either a military plane or a helicopter because uh, my ex was in the Marine Corps and I've been inside of these things, so I know what they look like. And, I mean, that's just, I know people are going to go, ah, you know, this is like crazier than aliens, but uh, I'm not alone. <laughs> but fortunately, I don't think this happens to um, a lot of abductees. I just think it's dumb and... I think it happens because they, you know, they want to know what we know, and that's how they find out. And it's really, it's, it's, you know, I'm just kind of touching on the topic because it's, it's very involved, and you really can't get the gist of or the flavor of what these are like until you, you actually read about them. And I talk about another woman uh, named Lisa who has these two, and, and she's also published in, in Project Open Mind. So uh, POM will give you a better idea about the MILAB issue um, than I can, you know, really cover it right now. But um, that's, that's what that stands for, military um, abductions. And, and a caveat I do have to say, in all honesty, just to be fair, is that I have um, I've seen hybrid beings, which I'm sure everybody knows what those are by now, because 
uh, Spud Hopkins and David Jacobs and Yvonne Smith and John Carpenter have all been talking about this and writing about this, this phenomenon of the hybrid breeding program. And so the hybrids, I have seen hybrids that look so human that you could not tell them apart if they were walking down the street from other humans, um, except maybe if you've got a good look at their eyes, but if they had sunglasses on, you probably wouldn't be able to tell. So in all honesty, I'd have to say that it is possible that these could be hybrids dressing up as military people. And Yeah, that's kind of where I was going, yeah. why I wanted you to define my lab, because yeah. I know our producer Joe and Linda and their research group, I got some feedback earlier on here, just someone commenting, Linda commenting that the red-headed gray is always a MILAP. Oh, really? That's hmm. what she says, yeah. Um, have you ever thought that or been told that or... No, no, I haven't. Um, when I my when I define a, my own personal mill lab experiences, when I define those, um, I'm I'm with pe- people that you know they look totally human. Um, a lot of them look like they're from intelligence agencies, and they're they're dressed, um, you know, they're dressed nicely. They're some are men, some are women. Um, some appear to be scientists. Um, most appear to be in one group of the military or other. You know, I've seen, um, I've seen, well, I've seen all all four types of uniforms, with the exception of Coast Guard. I haven't seen Coast Guard people, you know, doing no labs, but um, not not sure about Marine Corps per se. But definitely, I have I've seen Navy personnel, like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> and um, Air Force, and, you know, it's just, um, they just, they, they, they just seem so human, you know, they, yeah. uh, just for another example, I mean, one of, one of these um, involved this woman who had a piece of paper with my name um, and my telephone number, and every city I'd lived in since I was divorced from my first husband, and he was in the Marine Corps. And so she'd been keeping track of me for like 15 years. How long ago was that that you were shown that? Um, well, let's see. I don't have my journal right in front of me, but it's in the new book. <laughs> it's um, I think it was in the late 90s. And that was, early, you believe, probably in the lab, my lab? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, she was human. Um, no, she, okay, she might have been a hybrid that looked so human that that I couldn't tell the difference. But she'd definitely been keeping tabs on me. Just, you know, to have, and, and to have my name and phone number and city and state where I've been living. And I have moved around quite a bit, so I, it, it was pretty apparent what was going on there. And I was just really, really taken aback when I, when I saw that. It really, really disturbed me. Yeah, I'm kind of curious if, if the claim from the research community is that the red-haired grays are uh, related to my labs or that they're doing them themselves and also that they're affiliated with doctors or that the redhead grays are often doctors. How might that uh, influence, like that's being on the cover of, of your book right now, well, does that uh, influence your line of thinking in any way? No, that actually, I, I look, I view her purely as a, as a gray, a redheaded gray. Um, she, I got a really good look at her and she was um, very much like the um, 
what I call the type four grays in the alien jigsaw, like the, the ones that approach seven feet, the very tall, thin. Um, when they walk, they have a certain gait. Um, their leg, I mean, they're just so tall and lanky um, that their their backs kind of, they kind of bend over slightly when they walk, and they, they almost glide, but they, they walk, and they, their backs kind of move back and forth when they move their legs, and it's very graceful. She, <clears throat> she almost moved the same way. It seemed very alien to me. It did not seem... And, and I have to, and also, this, this is the first time I've ever had an encounter with red-headed grapes, with these, these two, this couple. Um, they were, they were a team, you know, I, I, they were a team in almost a spiritual way. I mean, during the, um, the, 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 when they were telepathically relaying this information, this group of abductees, which I was a part of, the male was the one that was, had started the communication with us and he became so emotionally broke down and you know if they could shed tears <laughs> I mean I almost thought I saw tears but I felt them and she mm. took over immediately uh, because he, he, he just couldn't he was so overwhelmed with emotion he just couldn't go on and they walked the way they walked and the way they moved and I don't know I I never never suspected her or redhead grace to be part of the mill lab never in my wildest dreams that's the first time I've ever heard of that so. but we all learn something new every day in this don't we <laughs> yeah that's true uh, but really I, you may want to talk with uh, Linda or Joe and, and see why or how frequent that comes up for them or to if any of them wants to chime in let me know that but you may actually want to find out what they base that uh, claim on because yeah. I know they've done extensive research okay. so they have a reason for believing that or for stating it. I just don't know myself what that reason is and Joe or Linda are welcome to chime in um, Ian wants to know um, what is special about this woman meaning you I believe what is special do you think about you which might cause the military to want to mess with you I think um I think it just boils down to the fact that they, I, I think for me personally, it was my proximity, being, living really near a, a huge military base. Um, when I actually remember my first MELAD experience occurring, uh, within my early 20s, so I, um, I think it might have just been proximity, easy access, or they know, they knew I was an abductee before I did, because I wasn't, you know, fully aware of it at that time. And I think that they um, just want to know, you know, find out as much as we, they can about why these beings are here and what they're what they're doing with us, or you know, why they're interacting with us. Um, the only other thing I speculated a little bit about is that, um, you know, that I, I use this term, <laughs> this ultra secret team, um, which is totally ultra because, you know, these, these people have been doing this for years and years, and I, I kind of speculate that they're, um, that the real tall grays are probably the ones that are um, heading the hybrid breeding program, and... That are heading it? Yeah, that they are the ones that are in control of it, but that I think there are, I don't know, an elite team of um, intelligence pe uh, personnel, military personnel, you know, um maybe working with the hybrids maybe that's where this Milab idea came from well and let me I get you to hold that thought we're yeah. about to hit at our top of the hour break okay so um folks our guest is katarina wilson on live from roswell 
We've got uh, another song from Flying Saucer, my Flying Saucers, my MySpace Features Artist of the Week. Believe it or not, it is called Go Cat, spelled with the K-A-T. <laughs> so, folks, return with us after these messages. We'll be back in about eight or ten minutes with more from Katarina Wilson. My guest this week is Katarina Wilson. She is the author of Alien Jigsaw, published in 1993, and the AlienJigsaw.com website. She's also the author of a new book she's discussing tonight, I Forgot What I Wasn't Supposed to Remember. And tonight with Katarina, we have been discussing alien hybrids, alien-human hybrids, I should say, and my labs, that's military abductions. You can participate with us on this program. If you'd like to ask a question or make a comment, you can email me at talktome, T-A-L-K-T-O-M-E, at livefromroswell.com. We also have a toll-free number, 877-786-0562, that you can call us on. And we, in either case, we ask you to state your first name and what city you're in, just because I like to know. That's the kind of guy I am. That number and email are at livefromroswell.com, as well as a link to our guest site and information on how you can buy her books. And um, always at the top of the hour, I also remind you that our program tonight, live from Roswell, is sponsored by AlienResistance.org, which offers biblical perspectives on UFOs and abductions, as well as DVDs from past conferences related to UFOs and abductions. And all that was recorded right here in sunny Roswell, New Mexico. That's www.AlienResistance.org. And you can also write us, myself or our producer, Joe, for information on you becoming an advertiser, either on the show live from Roswell.com or anytime, 24-7 on the Paranormal Radio Network, where we've got all kinds of talk shows going on. They are usually talk, they're usually paranormal-related. Sometimes they're politics and other fun stuff. But we do have 24 hours of programming on the Paranormal Radio Network. And before we get back to talking to Katerina, I want to mention that in addition to um, using email or telephone to get with us, you can also participate on the Pal Talk Virtual Auditorium. Instructions on how to do that are on livefromroswell.com. But you can also interact with about 40, 50 other listeners uh, just on your computer in a kind of chatty way. If you go to the site and download the Pal Talk, you can listen to the program over your speakers, and then you can also interact with people who are listening, and you can let your comments go back and forth with them. Following this show, in one hour, we'll have Sedona Lights coming up, by the way. You can stay tuned for that. And if his show sucks, which it usually doesn't, it's uh, just worth mentioning that tonight on CNN, Larry King Live is doing a rerun of a show that is about Roswell, New Mexico. That'll happen an hour after this program finishes. But Stanton Friedman is on it, and there's a little bit of information on Roswell. It is a rerun. It was a pretty good show. But if you've never seen it, it's kind of an obligatory thing. Larry King live covering Roswell, New Mexico, and he includes the researcher Stanton Friedman. So that's pretty cool to know. And we are back once again with Katerina Wilson. I'm assuming you're back, correct? Yeah, I'm here. I thought you were. Um, during the break, or really right before we got to the break, uh, somebody gave me a question. He's in Gossamer. And um, he wanted me to ask you, uh, he's already visited your website since you've been on, he or she, I'm sorry, I'm not sure. You can let me know about that one, Gossamer. But on the guest's website, there are some sketches, and there is one called Blue Being, which is a female. And Gossamer is asking, would you describe this particular being a little better, if possible, please? Okay. Um, actually, 
yes, it was a female, and it was the first first consciously recalled being that that I remembered before I really realized oh, that I'm you know involved in this, and it was. Um, well, she was a child, actually. Um, she was kind of sitting on like a shelf-like object and very diminutive and childlike, um, but at the same time, very intelligent. And I just felt uh, just a great amount of love for her. And uh, the experience itself is real long and detailed, but it kind of involved a hospital-like medical room and. Uh, a being I call the doctor, which I, I published in um, an illustration of him as best as I could draw him um, in both the books. So it's on, he's online too. But he was involved in that in that experience. But it was really um, she. I just felt uh, a great amount of love for her. She felt she seemed very um, very innocent, uh, very childlike, very frail, uh, almost helpless. But at the same time. Um, I don't know, just intelligence and maybe, you know, even on a, a spiritual level, I think, just really intelligent and, and positive. So it was a really positive uh, memory for me. Did you get the feeling that it was a child or an adult, or was there any yeah. way you could tell? When you, yeah, a lot of times, you know, when you see these, when you interact with these, these beings and they look like children, that they're super um, intelligent, and, and you just kind of feel, and I guess it's on a telepathic level, you kind of go, well, you know, this may look like a child, it may be a child, but it's not like any child we know, um, or maybe it's just a diminutive um, being that looks like a child but is really an adult. So I, at the time, and I guess I will always view her as, as a, uh, a childlike being, but very, very intelligent, very alien. <laughs> very alien? Yeah, very alien, but, you know, to me, alien is not a bad word. I have, uh, <laughs> I have a lot of good good feelings for some of them, and, you know, it's just uh, been a lifelong, a lifelong experience for me, and it's, it's hard to, to really convince anybody one way or the other about how that comes about. You just kind of have to live it. <laughs> so, I hope, I hope I answered that question. Okay? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, Goss was just asking a little bit for more of a description or, or what the blue uh, entity was about. Well, um, really know, different from that. Yeah, I don't really know her purpose, um, why she happened to be there, but um, there were other babies like her in, in this place. And they were, um, I just remember one, I was told by the doctor that it was being recycled, which, you know, that just opens a can of worms. So that word can mean a lot of different things. And um, I got the feeling that the, the child, the little baby, um, had not survived. But um, that kind of goes off in a different direction. But this, this being that I drew the picture of, she was, she was okay, she was healthy. You did open a can of worms when you just said what could go off in a different direction, that the being may not have survived, because among the literature, like Bud Hopkins, David Jacobs, like. You have said yourself that the hybrids being bred by aliens, their human-alien mixes or hybrids, mm -hmm. are looking increasingly human and may already be walking among us. Mm -hmm. But what about the ones that don't wind up looking human? Do you think something sinister is done to them? No, I don't. No, I don't. I, I, there, I, 
And I, I mentioned, I talked about this in the book because it happened. I saw um, a golden-eyed, white, blonde-haired, young hybrid female who I remembered from a previous experience. And she looked, she was just so beautiful to me. And, but so, she didn't look human, but she was so beautiful. And she had these blue eye pieces in her hand, what I call lenses, and she was going to have these lenses um, surgically implanted over her eyes so she looked more human because they had a pupil in them. And I knew exactly, you know, I saw the lenses and I said, oh, what's that, what is that? And, and, and she says, well, they're, they're my lenses. And I said, how do they stay in? And she said, they take a, a surgically attached a strand behind the eye. And she gave me a, ter a technical term, but I couldn't remember it. Um, but I saw that they had a pupil and they were blue and they made our eyes look more human. So, uh, you know, that's just one example where they're trying to fit in and they're trying to look more human. And I know uh, Jacobson Hopkins talks about this a lot. And I've seen it <coughs> over the years, of the 20 years that, that I've been consciously remembering these experiences. They're getting more and more human. they more and more emotional, you know, but they're not so good at handling the emotional part of it sometimes. But at the same time, I'm still seeing very alien-looking children. And uh, one of the things that I just wanted to quickly mention was that in, um, in 2005, I had an incredible experience with two, uh, what I call the type 4 grades, are very tall ones, a male and a female, and the female was pregnant. And I had never seen a pregnant gray before. And A pregnant gray? And, yeah, and I, have, I, drew, I drew an illustration in my book, and. I'm, I'm really pretty sure I got it depicted pretty good because it was just, I got to touch her stomach. They let me, he let me, the, the male let me touch her stomach and I could see um, the baby inside of her because her skin was so thin and when it would move and touch the womb, I could see a dark place, you know, once in a while and I, and I touched her and it was just, I mean, to me it was like, <laughs> Just so incredible. It's like I've never heard of this before. I've never heard another abductee say that they had seen um, a pregnant gray. A, a, you know, she was a gray. She was not a hybrid. And, and they were type fours, and, and they were a, a pair, and, or a mated, you know, mated or whatever. I don't know if they get married or whatever. But then um, they were, she, she was in a lot of discomfort, um, very quiet. But he, I could just feel this, you know, I guess telepathy works both ways, but I can feel that he was just so proud and so happy. And that's the, the chapter I titled The Proud Father uh, in the book. And I just, just had to mention that because I think that would account for, you know, still seeing very alien-looking babies. That they, mm, okay. you know, maybe, maybe they, maybe, maybe they can have children, but it's rare. Because, I, I mean, I knew this was a rare thing that I was seeing. Um, and of course, the baby wasn't born. She was just very pregnant with, with it. But it was just phenomenal to me. It was just such a. I felt so honored to see that and been a part of it. Do um, I know a lot of times people have said that perhaps the whole hybridization program is because they're incapable of reproduction. So I'm curious, like you are, has anybody else, audience-wise or anything, give us a comment if you've ever heard of or seen anything related to a, uh, a pregnant gray. I do have one question that's come in for you. Uh, actually, maybe it's for me, but it says, Guy from Tadwolf, do these my lab military men and women have semi-long hair, or is it regulation? What do you know about that, Katerina? Me? It's regulation. They're, they're military haircuts. 
um, all, every, any, anybody I've ever seen in a, in a uniform has a military haircut, and they're, they look totally human to me. And i got to say, you know, um, uh, Ian, I think, asked the question, you know, I don't think there's anything real special about me other than the fact that they're interested in me because I'm an abductee. But um, this has happened to me since my 20s, and, you know, it's like some of these men I see, I don't, I don't fear. Uh, it's like I feel like I'm a part of the team or something. But I don't know why I'm, why I'm there. I'm really a part of the team, but I get that feeling that I'm kind of part of the team. So um, it's not all like, you know, mean and torture crap. You know, I don't want to put that across. But uh, you know, they do use drugs because you know it kind of help, makes the job easier. <laughs> um, but I that makes you friends. more compliant. Yeah. You mean, or willing to answer their questions? Yeah, it, it makes, yeah, yeah. So, and that's when you say you don't really experience a lot of torture. Is that, no, no, are you referring only to the MyLab experiences? No, I've never really been, I mean, you know, I've never been tortured, tortured. I mean, there's been a couple of really horrendous things that I've been through, and uh, like a medical, you know, facility type thing where, I had rods put through my hip area, and with, you know, and I had like two on each side put through my hips, and um, that was quite painful. And I saw other people going through a lot worse things, so you know that that was rough. You know, I, I call that you know. <laughs> that border more from the alien side, are you describing, or or from the other entity side, or from no, the Mylap no, side? What I saw there were all humans. No, no aliens in that one. But like I said, okay. Again, you got to remember that some of these hybrids, you just don't, you know, but it was, they were all humans. I didn't see any aliens in that experience. You said you've seen other people going through things oh, yeah. worse than you were currently going through at the time, oh, though? Yeah. Like what? Um, I saw a man on a stretcher, and they had taken a heart and implanted it in his thigh or in his leg, because I could see the, they, it was just a temporary thing they were doing, but, I mean, the technology is way, I guess, above what we, what we can do, but it, it, it was beating, and um, I looked at him, and I said, oh, God, is that your heart, but he was just totally out of it, and uh, then I, uh, a person standing next to me said, yes, it's been implanted temporarily, we're going to use it later, <laughs> and, I mean, that was, you know, and then another thing I saw was, when I had the rod thing, the rod in, pl in place, um, the man next to me on the stretcher, I knew him. It was like I, I knew his name was Jim, and he had dark hair and blue eyes, and he was in really bad shape. And um, they were literally, um, they, well, I was told they were inducing Parkinson's disease in him. They were doing brain, messing with his brain. And, they would kill him and bring him back to life, and, and that's what they told me they were doing. And it was just sick, you know. It was like what a, end would they possibly? Oh, we do have a hand up. What end tortured, um, know, would they possibly that do that? That doesn't happen very often. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe just like humans do medical research. Maybe, maybe they're using people. Um, but it, I mean, it was horrible. Um, it, it doesn't happen often, uh, thank God. But this is just one of those things that. Um, that I, I saw, it was very vivid and very painful, but it's not, it doesn't happen a lot, you know, but I didn't see any military people, I just saw doctors, you know, I saw medical people, 
not military people, I saw medical people. Uh, I wouldn't, I, I didn't really have a name for that experience. It was just, um, um, it's actually, if anybody's interested in, in just quickly looking at it, I think it's in the chapter titled Lucid Memory. But, Lucid uh, Memory? Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, we have someone that wants to ask a question or make a comment, and in fact, it's Linda, who I'd said earlier is the person who talked about the hybrids, or about the red hairs being all related to my labs. Joe, I see the hand up in our virtual auditorium. Can you go ahead and get Linda on for us? And you'll experience like five or ten seconds of dead air here for a second, Katharina, while they switch it over, and so will listeners. I think the first time I ever heard the term was 
when Jim Sparks' book came out, but I haven't read his book yet. Um, I have read a couple of interviews, you know, really good interviews with him. And I, to be honest, and just in the interviews, um, because I had finished my book at the time and was just doing the editing and trying to get the illustrations in there, um, I was I was pretty amazed at some of the similarities. You know, the mission. Um, he's he's looking more of an environmental disaster issue, but. I'm uh, we'll pick that up in just a moment, yeah. then. Uh, we've I, got one more break uh, to do live from Roswell. One more song from Flying Saucers, who you can check out if you go to livefromroswell.com. On the right-hand side of the page, there's a link to MySpace Featured Artist of the Week. You can hear and download more music from Flying Saucers. We'll be back after just a couple messages here uh, with our final half hour with Katarina Wilson. Oh, thanks for coming on. It's going really well. Do you, are you feeling good about it? Um, yeah, I hope I'm making sense. <laughs> there's so many, you know, there's just so many things that I could talk about. I don't want to say too much and just get ram- go rambling on, but uh, I hope I- that was so nice of her to say that, you know. Um, I, you know, I, ne- I never heard the term keeper until Jim's book, book came out, so um, this, you know, I'm learning some new things here tonight. <laughs> good, good. Mention that on the air when we come back, because I mean, that's... It's great dialogue. I really try to make a habit of getting away from the phone and not talk to you during the breaks because we wind up saying all kinds of cool stuff that should be said on the air. <laughs> okay, so this is about another six minutes, five minutes? Yeah, another five, six minutes. Okay. And um, I just, because I do it on a cell phone, I just set my phone down and charge it up during the breaks. Oh, so I don't, yeah. I actually have, I've had my phone die once and I've hung up on a guest once during oh. a program. So all right. I Can at I least try to make sure I charge it correctly. <laughs> okay. All right, talk to you in a few. Okay.
Hey, welcome back to Live from Roswell. I'm Guy Malone, and I'm Irish, too. Really important to mention here. Our guest has been Katerina Wilson. We're in the final portion of our program. Uh, what we were discussing was the fact that uh, Katerina is a MILAP, or a MILAP, someone who is often involved with being taken by what appears to be some clandestine covert military operations occasionally. And she has experienced this so often that she finds herself in the position of giving comfort to others who are also being taken into this military abduction program. And a phrase came up uh, from Linda, uh, who asked a question on the air just a while ago. You can, too, if you're in the virtual auditorium. You can raise a hand, or you can email me at talktomealivefromroswell.com. But the, the concept of the word of keeper came up. And um, just so you know there, Katerina, I know you wanted her contact info pretty immediately. Her screen name is Linda Keeper. Oh, the Keeper? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's easy to remember. <laughs> and I think we know why, too, because uh, she introduced the term that you, you said you'd never heard that word before, uh, Keeper, correct? No, I never heard the word until um, Jim Sparks' book came out, and he calls them the Keepers. But His I brand heard, new book, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. The latest one. <laughs> I didn't know he had another one, but it. Um, I never heard that term, and, and I saw that, and um, that's kind of where it rang a bell. But I haven't read his book yet, so um, my apologies, Jim, if you're listening. You had said earlier the, um, about the hybrids that are looking increasingly human, um, and but in your new book, you say that you believe that the grays the blondes and the hybrids are basically somewhere between friendly or neutral and are actually attempting to help mankind. Tell me your view on that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, boy, I tell you, 10 years ago I never would have said that. Um, it's just taken me a long time and a lot of analysis of my own experiences. And it has a lot to do also with these visions and the messages that I've been shown and given over the years, about every two years it seems. But um, a really peculiar thing happened. Um, there is a, a, a space-time aspect to my, my story, too, and I, I can't go into it, but I, I dedicate a chapter to that. Uh, there are two kind of information chunk chapters. One's about space and time, and the other one's about, about war. Um, or wars, or future wars, or whatever, but uh, a really interesting thing happened. Uh, I had an experience, and this is in the chapter titled Future Earth, it's towards the end of the book, and this is kind of where I came to that feeling that maybe, you know, these, these are really kind of working together with this ultra-secret team of humans to try to save as many people or certain people that they can when this transition, whatever it is that's going to happen, happens. And it just took me a long time to get there, and it was just really, the last chapter was just really, really hard to write. But um, I, was, I was standing, I don't know where I was, I was standing in a place, and this is kind of where a space-time thing comes into it. I was holding a coin, I looked at the coin, and it, it read 2012. It was about the size of a quarter, but, you know, I just saw the date, and it said 2012. And I, I went, oh, and, and then I looked at it again, and it said 2020. And then I started shaking, and I realized that I was moving through the, through time. And I looked at the coin for the third time, and it said 2040. And I was 
just shaking so much by that point, and I looked up and I saw these these blondes and maybe I think a couple of hybrids and a, and a gray. And they were pretty amazed at me because I was freaking out because I realized I was in the year 2040. And they thought it was silly of me, kind of funny to to be so shocked and physically shaking and, and you know, because, you know, these kind of things just don't happen to us. And <laughs> but anyway, um, while I was supposedly there and it just, everything just felt so real. I mean, I had this conversation with these, um, these things and it was like being in the future in, in the year 2040, maybe a little bit after that. And I was basically told that, um, or shown that, yeah, there's going to be a really terrible war. Um, and the years uh, 2012, 2020, and 2040 were going to be major turning points for humanity. And, Did you get um, a good peep at what that world looks like by 2040? Uh, well, I got a general peep. Um, I assume since I saw blondes and hybrids and grays, and there I was, <laughs> uh, humans, um, all living together on, on this earth, that... Um, after this terrible war, and I was told many, many humans died during the war, um, that I was shown basically that we're going to coexist together on the planet. And, you know, we'd be sharing the planet with three other species, and that third species would be the hybrids because they are a new species. They're they're not alien. They're not human. They're they're something different. And the the establishment, you know. The, the, the government establishment, the religious control is, is no longer there, but it's a positive thing because people can live freely. They're, they're not so, you know, it's just, it's, it was just, it seemed so much more positive because we weren't under so much religious and government control. And here in this country, we have it better than almost anybody, you know, in Europe, they have it great, but so many other places in the world, it's just so horrendous to live under that type of uh, dictatorship and control and um, that kind of goes away <laughs> which I thought was a good thing um, so you know a lot of the, the, the social social things change like um, um, you don't have to be married uh, to, to be accepted or to have um, you know to be viewed legal being with somebody um, Gays wouldn't really be persecuted like they are today, um, and I don't know. It just it just seemed like I know it. It, it seemed to me I was I was think, thinking, well, this is terrible. All these people are going to die. I don't want a war, you know. But at the same time, one of them said, well, you know, when they came, meaning the aliens, um, this is a, this was a human being or maybe a hybrid. I don't know. I think he was a human. He was a, a young gay man. And he said, when they came, they brought us a cure for AIDS, and they cured me of AIDS. And and I thought, well, if they if they come and you know if these guys, if the aliens come and they and they bring us cures for AIDS and cancer and things like that and try to help us, I said, well, that can't be bad, you know. But about this war again, there's this 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 war, this transition that's coming, and and I just you know I don't know, I don't want to dwell on it too much because it. It may just be alien imagery. They might be fascinated with why we're constantly warring with one another, but I sure have been led to believe that there's some major transition that's coming. And so that that's in future Earth. And 
but it seems very what you've been shown anyway. If you can trust it or believe it, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it seems like, very apocalyptic before any of that good yeah. stuff happens. Sounds yeah. like, huh? Yeah, and I still think that there's going to be another um, another factor or force that's going to try to take advantage of us, um, and I, that's why I think since we were all living at peace after this war, and we obviously fought somebody else together to get there. You know, I don't, I don't, I didn't see it. Like all other evil aliens, I or I mean, I, are there any aliens that you actually feel are yeah, evil or oh, hostile? Yeah. There, there's, um, well, in your own words, yeah. Okay, I've had two, 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 two experiences um, with these caped beings that were hoods. They, and and this is where I kind of bring in the uh, incorporeal. Uh, the negative incorporeal influence um, that that I believe may be kind of influenced the whole phenomenon, but there's they they have no hands or feet. They have liquid black energy for faces. They're very negative. Um, I saw them once, um, and when I was in Oregon, living in Oregon, and I I uh, that's that's on my website and um, and a little bit in my book and. I saw them again the week after 9/11, and their their capes were different. I saw more form to them, and they had a uh, like a triangle at the top. And um, they, it, it's just I can't really go into this to give it justice, but they they actually knew that 9/11 was going to happen the week before it happened. They came to me the week before 9/11, and they they knew. And I was not allowed to remember it until the two days after 9-11 happened. I was writing in my journal because I was just so devastated and I was angry, you know, because nobody had shown me this, that I couldn't help, you know, that surely somebody knew about this. And why didn't they help? Why didn't they do something? Meaning, the, you know, the aliens. And this just flashed through my mind, this experience that I had the week before where these, these three beings were in my house and I was standing next to the kitchen bar and... You know, and it, it, it was, they're, 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 these are the ones that I think are, are interdimensional, I think, because mm-hmm. they didn't, they, I think the capes were just so they could have some kind of physical presence, but, you know, black liquid energy, that's, you know, not a real positive thing. And uh, I, both of the experiences were pretty negative. So I, I think there is, um, I think there's a, a factor or force kind of, influencing certain aspects of this, but I don't think that they're influencing all ETs or, you know, I think it's just certain, I think it's just a, I think there's only a couple of them that are really, you know, that we really got to watch out for. There, there are these tan, short, pudgy, tan, wrinkled beings that I've seen. Um, one of those groups doesn't really seem to have or um, be too interested in helping us. <laughs> They're not really vindictive or evil. I think they're just so desperate that they'll, they'll do and take anything they can, you know, to survive. Uh, but they're not real, real positive either. I, I write about them in the book, and I have a, an illustration of, of what they look like. Yeah, that's in your in your newer book or in Alien book, Jigsaw? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's in the newer book. There, there's actually there are two types of short, wrinkled, tan beings, and and one of them. Um, the eyes are very different. The one with the, the blue pupils, are, they seem okay. They're, 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 they're super intense, 
that they seem okay, but the other ones with the the vertical slit like I mean horizontal slit like white pupil, they're they're the ones that I think are uh, I, I just from what I saw they were just in dire straits and were just doing everything they could to, to get what they needed from us to survive. It was really sad. So. What did they need from us? Like to eat us they, or no, to they they needed um I was told that well, when I saw them, um, they told me that everybody there was going to be checked. Their blood and DNA was going to be checked. They were looking for something very specific. And then I was shown a baby that was dying of their race. And, um, I, you know, I felt really, I felt just tremendously sad for them. And, I, you know, I, I, of course, I allow myself to be tested because they're looking for some specific genetic material. They didn't tell me exactly what it was, because, I mean, if they had, I may not have even understood the, the scientific um, meaning of it. But uh, um, I have been told um, by the other tan wrinkle being race that um, I've been warned about MILAB experiences by them. <laughs> they, tell me, they tell me once that, that they're coming and that I was like honey to the bees and that they were coming, and five days later I had a MILAD experience, and I was told during that experience that um, that my body produced a specific gene that was better than anything they could ever hope to have, and that if I would cooperate with them, they would take care of me. The MILABs told you that? Yeah. And, and, and this, time, this time I didn't see military people. This was, uh, this was purely scientific. So the MILAB hmm. thing is, it's not not just military, you know. It's it's it spans a, a scientific. Um, I think the military is just the transport, and the interrogators maybe. And I, I think there's like another level of, of pure scientific investigation. But you know, like I said again, these could be hybrids, and I could be mistaken, and these could be hybrids making me and other abductees think that our own military is doing this to us. Yeah, do you think it's possible? Because a lot of people, or at least some, have proposed the good cop, bad cop scenario on aliens. Are they evil? Are they good? Are they indifferent? Or are they all working together in a good cop, bad cop scenario? And you've been shown a lot of things, like the, the future being a big one. You know, if you can uh, believe or trust that what you, you were actually seeing, the real future that is to come. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, like, doubt yourself or... Just wonder, is it possible that you're being deceived or that you're being shown something that has an agenda to it that may or may not be true? Yeah, you have to ask yourself that. Uh, you have to constantly keep that in the back of your mind because if you just go follow off one of these groups blindly and, and don't look at the overall picture, I guess I'm, I'm blessed in a way that I, can ha I have so much conscious memories and I can remember the different beings and I write down you know, what happens to me, whatever I can remember. And, you know, you kind of have to take a step back and look at it over years to really kind of get a bigger picture. But you, I always, I, you know, there are days where it's like, I know this is going to happen. And it's like, I, you know, you got to enjoy every day and you got to be prepared mentally for this because, you know, I've kind of been... I feel like we're going to be needed to, to help calm people down when they come or to something, whatever this is going to happen, happen. But at the same time, it's like, 
I mean, see, when 2000 came around and all that leading up in the 80s and 90s, all these earth changes stuff, I never believed that, I never felt that, and it never happened. But this time it's like kind of different. Um, other abductees are feeling it. It's just like a, like a something's coming in the air. <laughs> and yeah. It's just a, an overall, and it's not just abductees. I'm kind of, I'm hearing it just from, um, just kind of from normal people, you know, once in a while you hear them talk about things, or like that movie, The Shift, they're trying to put together. I, I just got an email about that, where I, I looked at that, and I was like, that's weird. <laughs> Why are they calling it that? <laughs> and these are just everyday people, like Desmond Tutu, you know, and, and just good people that have been doing good things all their lives, and saying, they're, they're trying to make this movie titled The Shift, and I was like, why are they using that word? And that, you know, just things like that, it's kind of kind of falling together, and it kind of makes me think that, well, maybe there is something to it this time. So, I hope Well, um, our <laughs> guest has been, we're in the final minutes, last call for questions at Talk to Me Live from Roswell.com or comments in the virtual auditorium. Um, but our guest is, Katarina Wilson of AlienJigsaw.com. Uh, if you can't remember that, she is linked right now from LiveFromRoswell.com. And we do have our shows scheduled already for the next two weeks. I'll tell you more about those in a minute. I did want to ask you, um, why are you offering your book for free on the Internet? Oh, I think it's the only way to go. I mean, the Internet is just the greatest tool for communication and education. I never got into this to make money. Um, I only have to sell those other books because... I had to pay to get them published, and anybody that has published a book knows that the only people who make money are the publishing companies. So when, when you self <laughs> Tell me about it. When you self-publish, you know, it's all out of pocket. So um, I, you know, but this one, it was like, no way. You know, I don't want money. I don't want anything. I just want the information out there because I just, I have such a sense of mission and that I am supposed to get this information to certain people and, you know, there's just, like I said, there are a lot of other emissaries and abductee emissaries out there. And, you know, just maybe they know what I know and they just haven't let anybody else know about it. And maybe they think, well, I shouldn't tell anybody or they're going to think I'm nuts or something. But I think I was just told that this, I had to get this out there, that this, I had an important mission and just what I'm supposed to do. And, um, Very awesome. Yeah, and just, just a real sense of mission. So I... I just wanted to make it available and um, to, you know, and this is the best way to do it. You know. Yeah, it's free on the Internet, and uh, we're cutting out here, it looks like. Uh, we're down to our last seconds. Mm -hmm. I just want to thank everybody for joining us as listeners and as participants by email or the virtual auditorium for helping us uh, have a great discussion with Katarina tonight. She's linked from livefromroswell.com. In the next two weeks, we'll be discussing 911 from various angles next Sunday night at the same bat time. Richard Dolan will be discussing the conspiratorial inside view or inside job view of 911. After that, Tom Horn will spend two hours answering the question, does he believe that there is a Stargate in Iraq, and is that why we went in? I'm Guy Malone. I very much appreciate folks listening to you. Come back next week for livefromroswell.com. Coming up next is Sedona Lights with Joshua James on the Paranormal Radio Network. I think we're out. Okay, I didn't want to tell you.